Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique well-being solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Michael McKeever. Michael has a huge passion for serving and minding others through his work as a Reiki master, as a holistic massage therapist, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, and Michael is the co-founder of Solace Healing Cabin. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you and having met you there a short while ago and had the pleasure of you um, coming to visit us in our healing cabin. Um, the connection was um, instantaneous, let's put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being here today, Michael. And can you start off, Michael, just by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I suppose the, the you know, I was very young when I was born. And, <laughs> uh, as a child, um, I would have been, I'm, I'm clairsentient. So I would have been aware of energies. I would have been aware of auras. I would have been aware of different things around me. And like most people um, who are clairsentient or clairaudient or, or, or um, clairvoyant, they thought everybody else could was the same. Yeah. And I, I was no different. I couldn't understand how people couldn't see what I was saying. Um, and then I, I would have been brought up in a traditional Catholic family. And as you know, as life went on, different things happened to me in my life. Like at seven years of age, um, I literally just received my first Holy Communion. And I was in church with my grandmother and I got a very bad, um, my first ever migraine uh, headache. And I lose, I guess, migraine with aura. I lose my eyesight with, with migraine. Mm-hmm. And I sort of thought, right, if I can make it to, you know, when the host is given out a communion, I live. And if I don't, I'll probably die. And I was looking around and I could see, again, because of the aura, um, I, when I look straight in front of me, I see nothing. When I, I see stuff for, uh, peripherally, and I was seeing all the lights around people, all the auras around people and all the rest. And I thought, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way out. I'm seeing angels. I'm seeing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Made it to communion. I suppose it's like the power of intention when we, we, we talk about, you know, how you create your reality. I literally received the communion, um, which I don't do anymore. But um, as I did, everything changed. And it was like, as I said, the power of intention. I knew I, then I was going to be all right. Went home, spoke to my grandmother, obviously she was with me, and went home and told my parents, and my parents were saying what, what happened, told them what happened. And my my grandfather was a doctor, of three uncles who were doctors, and of course then it was around the houses to see what was going on, because as a seven-year-old it's quite difficult to um, explain what you're seeing. And um, I, one of my uncles who's passed uh, was very knowledgeable and, and quite open to a lot of stuff, and he sort of said, oh, you know, it sounds like migraine. But, you know, is it only then that you see the, the aura and the colours? And I'm going, no, actually, it's all other time. You know, lots of other times as well in given situations. And I was sort of told, well, you, you have to stop trying to do that. Just, you know, um, it'll only make life worse for you. Uh, a head, migraine headache is, is horrendous and can last for up to two or three days. Um, so I shut everything down at that stage. Yeah. Then in my mid-teens, um, through going to, going to school and... Uh, playing sports and that everything was fine and then in around 15 years of age the migraine started again and i had a, a lovely friend who also suffered with migraine and she told me about a thing called 
um, psychosomatic yoga, which is basically a way of, um, it's, it's yoga of the mind. Um, and there was an excellent book, which I still have, which I got back then by a guy called John Munn, M-U-N-N. And he talks about how you use your mind to literally change perceptions on everything. And by doing this yoga, and I used to sit every evening for 20 minutes, half an hour, when I was supposed to be studying for my intracert as it was then, or my leaving cert or whatever, doing this yoga. And um, I found it helped tremendously, but it then opened up all the other stuff again. It opened up being able to see auras and everything. And I went through, I suppose, the next couple of years um, where, to, to me, it, was, it wasn't all the time, but it was a lot of the time. And when I was 18 years of age and starting to drive, um, it became dangerous because I wasn't seeing people. I was seeing colors and shapes and, and all the rest of it. So again, it was a case of sort of shutting it down. And at that stage, um, you know, being innocent and all the rest of it, I didn't know how to control it. Yeah. Um, that's something that I can do now. I can choose to, to look or with permission, obviously, or sometimes somebody's in front of me or somebody's walking past me and the next thing the colors light up. And sometimes it's an indication to say something to somebody and see, um, you see entities in the auras, you see other bits and pieces as well. So it's just, it's about being selective about how, how you treat it. Um, and then, you know, life took over, four kids, four beautiful daughters, um, um, went through parenthood and a lot of stuff like that sort of took a back seat. And then um, when I was 32 years of age, I was separated. Um, I came to an agreement with my ex-wife and the courts, mainly the courts, that um, I would have custody of the girls. So I spent the next short while looking after them, and they were my life. Um, I didn't have a social life. I was involved with local residents associations. I was the, the chairperson resident association. I was involved with the local football club and rugby club because I was playing rugby at the time. And they were my outlets. And when things, when the proverbial hit the fan, um, my youngest was uh, just four, three, three and a half, four years of age. Um, a lot of time had to be devoted to them. And this lovely lady I'd come across for me one evening and she said, um, you know, what are you doing at the weekend? And I said, um, no plans at the moment. Why? She said, would you like, she knew my situation. She said, would you like some adult company? And I thought, yeah, I'd love to get out there with some adults instead of dealing with, with children and all that. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, she said, yeah, we're running herself and her partner then, now her husband, we're running a relationships weekend for spiritual people. And they needed a couple of men. They had women, but they needed a couple of men. So I said, well, look, to be honest with you, financially, I'm not in a position to do it. And she said, well, if you can organize a babysitter, there's no costs involved. She said, I, you know, you're coming to look at, to help us. So it was a Friday night and all day Saturday in Dublin City. And I went along and it was uh, spiritual people and we spoke about all sorts of stuff from relationships to different healing modalities and everything. And that's sort of what kicked me off again, back into the whole um, spiritual uh, path, I suppose. At that stage, I'd already walked away from the Catholic Church because I'm, I'm an avid reader and would have read all the different things that were, were available at that, at that stage with no internet, it was in libraries. Um, there was a second-hand bookshop in Dunleary, which was my library. I used to go in on a Friday and I'd pick up four or five books and bring them back the following week. And they give me a discount of, over the next lot of books. And as a 16-year-old, I'd, I'd read the Bible, I'd read the Koran, I'd read the Torah. So I was, you know, looking for something, really. Mm. And when all this happened with, with um, Siobhan and Paddy, 
um, it sort of opened up a whole new vista for me. And, um, and that's the path I've been on ever since. So um, fast forward um, a few years, I got involved with uh, a couple of different spiritual groups. One or two ended up being a little bit cultish, so I walked away from them. And um, one, of the, um, one of the groups got involved with them at this lovely woman, and she said to me, you know, um, I think you should look at doing Reiki. She said, you have a gift. You're seeing stuff. I was seeing her dead mother. I was seeing other stuff. And she said, it'd be nice to be able to channel it and to help people with it. I think you should do Reiki. So I, I embarked on doing Reiki 1, 2, and 3, became a Reiki master in 2002. And um, my first, I suppose, first couple of months, uh, different people came in to me and I was feeling things that I couldn't quite um, identify. And as you probably know, and as your listeners would probably know, Reiki is non-diagnostic. You're not allowed to diagnose anything. And I got this lovely lady in with me one day and I was I was working on her and I kept, I was being drawn back to her knees all the time and there was this goo, I suppose, energetic goo around her knees. And I said to her, listen, I said, um, I don't mean to be um, invasive or, or whatever, but I think maybe go and have a chat with your doctor. And it turned out she had cancer in her knees. Wow. Um, it was early stages. She she had an operation. She had two small tumors. They were removed, and everything was fine afterwards. And I just thought, well, I can't diagnose. I need to be able to do something. So I looked at Ayurvedic, and I looked at Chinese medicine, and I decided the Chinese medicine was the way to go. I had uh, contacts in that. And um, so I, I did uh, diplomas in Chinese medicine, and uh, I'm still working with them. Um, I sort of, you know, as mortgages have to be paid and bills have to be paid, I had a, a real job, as my kids would call it. And <laughs> I, worked as, I worked as an engineer. Um, but I al always did all the other stuff on the side. And then over the last few years, I, I got involved with different groups. I met my lovely wife at a, an angels and meditation class in Tala um, 13 years ago. And she and I got together at nine and a half years ago. And... Um, that sort of opened up a new vista. I got involved with, um, I, I suppose people call them now um, truthers, you know, different people who were sitting down and they were saying, look, you know, things aren't what we think they are. Let's have a look at them. Um, and the internet was coming into being and you could actually um, go and look for information without having to go to a library or go to a bookshop. Um, and the, again, a whole vista was opened up to me and I, I'm involved with humanitarian groups um, which I find are great because, you know, at the end of the day, I believe we're here on a mission. We're here as light workers and way showers to be um, of service to people. And through those groups, we connect people together and we help them out with the, their different situations and organize get togethers. And uh, one of, I, I think I told you the story about when during the, all the lock, lock ups, as we would call it, um, we got uh, groups of people together who traveled um to meet with us, I won't say who the, who the people are, just in case of anything, um, who just came for cups of coffee, coffee uh, chocolate biscuits and hugs because they had nobody else to talk to and they had nobody else to, to connect with. Yeah. Um, and that would be my, I, I suppose that would be my um, passion is to be there to help people out in any way, shape or form as, that, that I can whether it's to do with um, emotional help, uh, physical help, or psychological help, um, and spiritual help. And that's, as I said, I believe we're all here to be of service, you know? 
Wow, what a journey, Michael. What a journey. And thank you so much for sharing that with me. And kind of diving deeper, kind of day to day, like as we said, you're a Reiki master, holistic massage therapist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and co-founder of Solace Healing Cabin. And as you said, I've, I've been up there to, to such a beautiful place and you've created such a welcoming kind of place for people to come. And, you know, like day to day, what does your work look like there in Solace Healing Cabin? Because again, like you have, you have, you know, like such an, uh, you know, like an interesting toolkit and you also have other kind of modalities that you use. So what does that look like day to day? Um, well, basically, what, what happened was during the whole um, lockdown or lockup, we we got people together and we um, we rented um, a room in, in Gory at the time. And people were hungry for somewhere to come to. And we, we faced a little bit of opposition because obviously we didn't buy into the whole um, uh, flu stroke COVID thing. Um, so I've never worn a mask and uh, I've only been challenged once on it um, and didn't go down the road of, um, you know, injecting something into my arm or anything else like that. And there were quite a few people around like that and they needed somewhere to go to. So as I said, we, we, we organised a, a place in Gory. We got the people together. And at the end of it, we booked it for six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, um, people were sort of saying, oh, you know, it'd be great to get together again. Um, there was a little bit of reluctance in the center we were using because there were uh, traditional therapists or, uh, you know, therapists who had gone down the other route to us, the other path. Um, so we said, well, look, what we'll do is we, we have a piece of land here. Let's build something on it. Um, and we put put the, the, the money together. I had some savings, um, Julie had some savings. We put it together and we created a subtle ceiling cabin. Uh, it took a little while because of the logistics around it and that. And we decided it was for the community. And in the area, there are a lot of healers. And we were talking to different people. And, you know, there was one girl who said, oh, you know, I'm a Reiki master, but unfortunately I can only use my kitchen because I have young kids. It'd be great to have somewhere. And we said, well, look, this is what we're planning. Oh, I'd love to use it. Um, and she's never come near us, you know. And we, we had a few people like that who we felt were sort of on board. And then they, um, they didn't come forward. They didn't come forward, I suppose. So we're, it's, it's taken a while to build up. We run events once a month. Um, we're having an event tomorrow, as you know. Um, I'm going to talk on uh, Celtic spirituality and the masculine. Uh, Julie's going to talk on Celtic spirituality and the feminine. And then we have another, another lady, um, Nicola, Nicolene Tobin, who channels and, and uh, speaks light language and stuff, and she's coming as well. So it'll be an interesting day. We probably have 15 or 20 people join us. So we would do that once a month and then we're, we're open to people coming, you know, there's a couple of people who have, have rented the cabin in the evenings or during the day to do their own modalities and bringing their own clients in. And then Julie and I do um, a double Reiki master um, healing. We have, I'm um, Suri trained, she's Teramai trained uh, as a Reiki master. And we also did an initiation um, last year in Jersey, which is to do with the Ascends or the Ascends, depends on how you like to pronounce it. And we feel that that sort of ups the ante when it comes to Reiki. We offer, um, we've, with the first people in the country, we have a thing called a primer cube, which is a small box that creates a toroidal healing field within the room. Um, and we've used it um, for lots of people. It's not something you, you, you don't feel anything straight away, but it um, has a gradual way of working into you. And it was an interesting, we have a friend who, who lives down in West Cork and we brought the box down with us one of the times. 
and their dog had a, a cancerous tumor on its head. And uh, we said, you know, maybe this would help the dog. And as soon as we turn it on, on a table, the dog would go over and lie under the table and be out of pain. And as soon as it went off, the dog would get up and go to its bed. And as soon as we turned it back on again, the dog was back under again. So we felt it, it, it had a, a ben- benefited the dog. It's released, it reduced pain and whatever. And we have a, a friend in the UK who has one and she works with horses and with animals. And um, she had a dog uh, that had cancerous tumours. And um, after using the cube on it for three days, the cancerous tumours were gone. Wow. So, you know, we feel there is definitely something to it. And it's, it's a sort of a quantum healing sort um, a device, I suppose. Um, we also have um, a, a, a thing called an earth tide machine, which is um, a detox machine that you put your feet into. Basically, it's a foot bath. Um, we electrolyze the water using its warm water and, and uh, Himalayan salt or sea salt. You put your feet in and what it does is it creates negative ions in the water, which draws heavy metals and draws um, crap out of people's bodies. And the nice thing about this one is it is visual. You put your feet in, the water is clear. Uh, 20 minutes later, you're taking your feet out and the water is the color of Guinness. So it's a, it's a visual um, for people to see. And a lot of people have come back and have used it again and again. And the more they use it, the less um, tainted the water is. And people actually feel a lot lighter and they sleep a lot better afterwards as well. Wow. So that's that's a second um healing modality I suppose we use um, we would also have a great affiliation with um, Bridget the goddess or St. Bridget as she was hijacked by the Catholic Church and we have uh, Bridget's healing blanket which is um, it's created by a lady who lives over in Loch Ray. and she channels St. Bridget and what she does is she puts the energies into the blanket we've given it to loads of people who have been ill and it has really helped them um, We've given it to one person um, who was given two weeks to live and between the blankets and we believe uh, Reiki or prayer or whatever, his doctor now called three years later, his doctor, his doctor calls him Lazarus because he's up and running and he's out dating and he's driving and all the rest of it, which when, when we met him at that time, as I said, he'd, only, he'd been sent home by the hospice to die um, because his parents didn't want him in the hospice because during the, the pandemic, um, they couldn't go and see him. So they wanted him at home. So he actually, uh, we believe it's it's a combination of the, the blanket, the prayers, and um, I suppose Reiki as well, you know? Yeah, wow, that's fascinating. And yeah. Michael, and, and we've talked about this before, I suppose the last couple of years, um, you know, uh, there's been lots of kind of, it's been like the snow globe has been shaken, you know, like there's been lots of kind of, you know, um, different events and there's been a real shake up in the world and energetically. And have you noticed, let's say, you know, any changes to, to, to what, why people are coming to you? Like, for, you know, whenever issues are, that, that people have, you know, like, have you noticed any changes in that? Yeah, I suppose um, the, the, the last three years, you know, from March 2020, it's been like a wake-up call for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and people were, you know, uh, what's the best way to put it? Um, they, they sort of, they, they looked at the whole situation and questioned it. Um, and, you know, they came to a fork in the road and some people went one way and some people went, went the other way. The people who went uh, the route of um, not buying into what they were seeing on RTE or Sky or on BBC, um, 
came to people like me or, or other friends we have um, because they, they sort of needed um, a confirmation or an affirmation that they were doing the right thing. Um, you know, as I said, I, I'm, I'd be involved with different truth, truther groups and we would have the, um, we would have obtained the scientific evidence behind um, different things that were going on and reasons for us objecting to what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we got a lot of people coming to us that route. And then the other route was people who uh, went down the route of um, the masks and the vaccines and that and have suddenly discovered that all is not what it's supposed to be. You know, you, you were supposed to be immune. You weren't supposed to get it again. Children weren't supposed to, to get um, COVID and yet they were looking to vaccinate them. So, you know, we, we got a lot of people coming back to us and saying, oh, by the way, you know, you spoke about this or you spoke about that. Um, because I would do, we, we do podcasts, but I would also do Zoom calls with different people and different groups, humanitarian groups. And they would sort of say, well, you know, you said this or you said that. And to me, it's about planting the seed. You know, I, I, I spoke to somebody in a, um, a restaurant the other day and I asked her, uh, the restaurant was very busy and I said, things are really great. And she said, oh, I'm run off my feet and I'm exhausted. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. And then she said, I went and I got my latest booster and I felt crapped afterwards and I had to take some time off. Um, and I said, okay. I said, and not, no judgment because I won't judge people. Everybody's entitled to their own choice. Um, and she said, yeah, she said, it has to be that. She said, it has to have been that. She said, there's no way I'm going back to get any more needles like that. You know, and I said, okay, well, fine. Well, maybe, maybe, that, maybe you're right. You know, I wasn't saying she, she is right. I'm not saying that I'm right. But, as, you know, it's just about planting the seed and let people do their own research. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I've been asked before about information that I've given out. And um, one person in particular turned around to me one day and he said, you know, the information you get and you give out is really good. Where do you get it? And I said, that's my business, not your business. And then if and I do say I'm, I'm able to back up with, you know, it's been affirmed by two or three other people or it's scientifically affirmed or whatever. So I would have found that people have come to us and, and they've asked questions. And then, you know, will the, using the, the airtight machine help? And according to the inventor, um, uh, Christopher Cody, it does help. Yes, it helps to draw heavy metals out. And some of the things that are in the vaccines are heavy metals. Um, does Reiki help? It does because it helps to balance the energies, helps to balance the aura. Um, because part of the, the, um, the target of, of the vaccines is the God chromosome, the AIDS chromosome. And we've heard the expression, oh, he was beside himself with shock. And that's literally what it does. It moves the aura off the bot, slightly off the body. You're still attached, but it's, it's moved. So through Reiki and through other modalities, it can be brought back into place and make people feel whole again. But again, it's, it's about choices. It's life choice. I was accused of being a, an anti-vaxxer. I'm not. I'm pro-choice. I believe people are, you know, have a choice of what they put into the body. And I would, I eat organically. I drink Kangen water. Um, to try and keep myself as healthy as possible. I use certain supplements that I trust. Um, and, you know, and I believe everybody has a choice to do that. And if you want to go down the route of eating uh, ready meals and pizzas and um, some of the fast foods, which I won't mention, uh, that's your choice. Um, I, choose, I choose to eat healthily. And, and it's funny, we go to, you know, we go out for a meal and I sit down to eat and it's like, I always bless my food, I rake my food um, so that it's, you know, and the blessing is I give thanks to all the plants, animals, and people who've made this route possible. And I ask that I get the best benefit from it with no um, no detrimental effects. And that works for, for alcohol as well. If you have a drink, um, no hangovers. You know, So 
it's it's about intention and a, a lot of life is about intention and people are looking around them and they're seeing things happening they're questioning what's going on they're coming to people like us who would have a little bit of information or they feel we'd have a bit of information or we've said something in the past and yeah um it's about opening we, we would say we open ourselves up to other people to ask questions i'll answer them as best i can often people look at me and they go you know you're nuts and i go well if you don't want the answer don't ask the question yeah well I, well even kind of you know in the mainstream it is kind of there, there is a lot more information and research coming out you know only in the last kind of you know six to eight months about the ineffective uh it, it, the how ineffective the the vaccine was oh, yeah. and uh the many vaccine injuries and this has been done by top academics so it is it it, it is starting to come out as in you know into the mainstream and it, by kind of you know respected kind of scientists and researchers and kind of you know the the medical population that you know the, the vaccines were a lot less ineffective than we were told and the, the the injuries are a lot more than we were told so you know like it is um i think things have come full circle in a way oh they have definitely and like you know we we had um there was a discussion in doyle Aaron, and it's on the same day actually in the uh, house of parliament in the uk the house of commons and the house of commons um had a a, a paltry turnout of of um MPs yeah. going in to listen to uh, a discussion on excess deaths. Um, the do- Andrew, Andrew Bridgens, you know, the, the MP yeah, Andrew, yeah, Andrew Bridgens, yeah, he organized, yeah. yeah, he was laughed at and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, and then we had our own um, people here. I'll, I'll be very careful what I say. Um, and, you know, there was five or six of them in the chamber to listen to something that could have been or should have been of extreme importance, you know. Um, and like, you know, just just last night, the Philippines government uh, voted in favour to la- launch an investigation into over 327,000 explained excess deaths between 2021 and 2022. Mm. Yeah. You know, so it has been, you know, unfortunately, the way we're set up here in ERA, and that's a different, that's another day's discussion. Um, we, you know, we're, we're being we're being ruled from the from Europe. We're being ruled by the World Economic Forum. Um, so the, the politicians are very slow to come out with um, with anything that may ruffle feathers. You know, you you have um, all sorts of shenanigans go on in the Doyle. They don't um, discuss things openly like they should be discussed. Uh, if you ask any politicians, and I would I know some politicians. You ask them any questions, they'll avoid the answer as best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're looking into it or they're doing this or they're doing that um, and it's 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 horrible to see because at the end of the day the people of ERA went out and voted um, and they got these people you know Liev Radker got in on the ninth vote you know how does that make him a popular choice and he yet he's well he's pretend Taoiseach because of the way that the political situation is um, and people turn around to me and I, I was at a, a talk there recently on um, Celtic spirituality, um, I gave a talk down in uh, Comic Noise, and um, one of the guys, you know, we, we got into a Q&A thing, and one of the guys asked me a question. He said, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. And I said, I'm not. I'm a conspiracy analyst. I look at what people are talking about. And some of it resonates and some of it doesn't. And if it resonates, great. And if it doesn't resonate, great. Well, you Michael, know, I, I suppose it's what, it is, what it's about is 
truth seeking. Do you know I mean like this kind of conspiracy theory is like is a real kind of slur and it's a real kind of you know um, you know sweeping statements for people who you know want to look at the facts, want to look at the research, want to look at the truth. You know that's that's yeah, the most important yeah. thing. Be- you know, beauty yeah, is truth. Beauty. Truth is beauty. Yeah. Yeah, and if you look at it, it was the, the term was coined after John F. Kennedy was allegedly assassinated in 1963 and was coined by the CIA. Yeah. You know, so... It's, Interestingly, it's it, was his, it was JFK's anniversary. It was the anniversary of his death the, the other day, which yeah. is yeah, yes, pretty today. poignant, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, I actually watched... The, the, there's um, um, a group called the Columban Fathers, you, you'll get if you Google it, um, about JFK's visit to ERA and footage and some of his speeches and whatever. And it's, it's about, I think it's about 25 minutes long. I'll actually send it to you privately, Brian, so you can watch it. Um, and it really, it just, it, it shows, you know, what a forward-thinking sort of person he was. Yeah. And he was getting in the way of those who wanted to do things differently. Yeah, he was you rocking, know, as you said, he was he was ruffling feathers, he was rocking the boat. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And that's, and, you know, and that's, that's what we need sometimes, is somebody to do that. You know, we, we've had a couple of politicians here who've sort of put their head above the parapet and next thing they're off, off in Europe because they don't like what they're saying in, in the dial, you know. And um, I, I'm not political. I was, I, I, as I said, I was a chairperson of the Resident Association for years. I dealt with all the political parties. I would have been in Doyle Aaron. I would have had luncheon in Doyle Aaron, subsidised by the taxpayer, um, with people from different political parties. And I was asked at one stage to run for one of the parties. And I said, I wouldn't do it. Because I, w- I would be, you know, I'm not political. I just believe that we are here, as I said, to be of service. Um, I would do anything I can to help people as best I can. And I don't need to have um, the name of, of somebody behind me or of, of uh, um, a political party who, you know, would say, oh, yeah, well, our, our guy, Michael McKeever, managed to do this, managed to do that. I'd rather people just turn around and say, listen, Michael, it's good. He helped us with this or he helped us with that. Absolutely. So no, no agenda attached um, and, and that's where I still am. You know, I've I've uh, I spent a couple of days now. I've met with with uh, so many wonderful people around the country um, since 2020. Um, you know, and they there'd be truthers. There'd be um, some some people who are sort of political. Um, I've met with scientists. I've sat down with with Dolores Cal, with um, Ivor Commons. Um, with other people like that and discuss different issues that are going on. And to me, it's like you say, Brian, it's about getting the truth and it's about getting the truth out there, yeah. not in people's faces, but by just literally sort of sort of slipping a note, slip, slipping a note under a door and saying, look at this or look at that. Absolutely. And I would always say to people, do the research. Like the internet is there. We were given it by the angelics um, so that we could do what we're doing now. It's the same as we were given uh, digital phones so we could photograph orbs and we can photograph angels and all sorts of stuff too. And this has all been given to us divinely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be a religious person or a spiritual person. But um, yeah, it's, it's all been given to us to use as a tool. And people sort of say, oh, the internet is, it's, it's this, that and the other, it's bad and all the rest of it. But as I often say to people, the internet is like a car and driving a car. You can drive the car from here to Cork and have a wonderful time and visit your friends in Cork and come home again. Or you can get into your car and drive down to the local town and drive into a load of people. You know, it can be used either way. And the internet is the exact same. You can yeah, use as you said, 
is for bad, you know? It's your intention that counts. And one one person I have to um I have to mention Michael, uh, Dr. John Campbell. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. John Campbell. I, I've been following yes, him for the last yeah. two or three years. And he, yeah. basically he, he started off kind of very kind of, you know, behind the vaccines. And, you know, um, he's, a, he's a retired nursing professor in the UK and he, he's highly qualified. And he yeah. is doing research now on how ineffective masks are, which is kind of like, you know, yeah. very ineffective, how ineffective the, va- the COVID vaccine is and how many vaccine injuries and excess deaths there are around the world and this is all research-based evidence-based by a very well um regarded uh, you know nursing professor and academic and he's he's a big kind of backer of andrew bridgens and that kind of you know the the house of commons you know kind of investigation into the covid response so i I recommend anyone to kind of have a look at dr john campbell um and again look again it's all about the truth and really i suppose like you know it's all about perspective and i suppose for 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 you know for to look at the last few years as a huge wake-up call Yes, absolutely. And one of the wake-up calls, which, which I found interesting and I've said it to people in the past, was none of our politicians, none of the heads of HSC or any of the departments were vaccinated. You saw Leo Varadkar up on the stage or wherever he got this uh, alleged needle put into his arm um, that was saline. None of them were vaccinated. And if you, you, you know, you then have to question, well, if the, the top guys aren't being vaccinated, and by the way, that came from the Department of the Taoiseach. We have somebody in there. So, you know, once you know that sort of thing, you sort of go, hang on a second, there is there's something more play here. You know, how come it's it's like, you know, I'd be big into rugby. How come certain people managed to get tickets to, to rugby, uh, big rugby matches that nobody, the, the ordinary Joe Soap couldn't get. And yet they'd have no interest in rugby in the first place just to be seen there. And I just find I just found that um, the discussions and like Leo came out there about I think it was about three weeks ago about uh pushing the flu vaccine so what they're doing is that they're pushing the the a boost on the flu vaccine together and if you look closely at the photograph that was taken there's no needle or there's no syringe in the nurse's hand yeah, yeah. so you know what what does that tell us we you know he's not known as leo the liar for nothing but what does that tell us that tells us that there's something wrong and you know we, we've been very lucky in this country i think the government were late to the to the table a lot of vaccines here, I, I believe, personally, were uh, placebos or were saline because the government was so late to the table. Um, and that's why our excess deaths aren't as high as deaths in Europe and deaths in the UK, per, you know, per head of, of population. Um, you know, and people are sort of being told that myocarditis is a normal thing now for teenagers and people in their 20s, especially athletes. You know, it's, it's trying to normalise something that we know is, is fundamentally wrong. And fundamentally the result of something that has been pushed on people you know yeah absolutely but again i suppose the message is to people do your own research and keep, you know keep your eyes open and absolutely again be curious and you know kind of you know look up look things up yourself and again the research the facts are coming out so that's the good news yeah well michael thank you so much for sharing all that with me and can you tell me now how you mind you I, I suppose I mind me by, um, I, first of all, the, the most important person in my life is me, and that might sound selfish. Um, you know, you can't love other people until you love yourself. So you, you have to give yourself 
some sort of self-care or some sort of self-worth. Um, and, you know, as I said, I, I try to eat as healthily as I possible. I do enjoy a drink every now and again, socially. Um, I drink good water. We have a Kangen water machine in our house. Um, I meditate every morning before I get out of bed. That's one of the, the key things. And I would normally try and meditate again once, once again during the day. Get out into nature, uh, socks and shoes off, stand on the, the, the earth and ground because that helps with the electromagnetics in your body. Um, and then simple things like um, we don't watch TV per se. There's one or two small things we do uh, occasionally watch. But we don't have electronics around us when we sleep. Um, we don't have screen time before we go to sleep because we believe that uh, the blue light affects your, your sleep patterns. And try and get a, a decent night's sleep. So as, as I often say to people, you know, stay hydrated, stay grounded and stay connected. And that's what I would do. And I have a lot of people, I'm very, very lucky in my life, who would be on the same sort of path as I am. And we've discovered them over the last few years. You know, we lost a lot of friends and family, as in not physically lost, but, you know, uh, emotionally or friendship-wise lost. And other people, there's never a vacuum in the universe. Other people have stepped in um, who are like-minded. And we have each other to talk to. We have each other to support. And I think that's very important. And, you know, to me... Um, Two of, the, two of the most important things in life are education, proper education, and the other one is communication. You know, and as somebody said to me one time, you know, knowledge is all very well, but knowledge only becomes wisdom when it's shared. You know, and I think that's very, very true, and that's what I would do. I would listen to other people. I will always give people the time of day, sit down, listen to them. May not agree with what they're saying, but I believe people have to have uh, a way to express themselves, and I express myself as I'm doing now. Um, with you, Brian, but I feel that it's it's important that you don't let stuff build up. You don't let yourself um, get too stressed. If you're getting stressed, get out, get out into nature, walk through a forest, get into the sea like you do with your sea swims, um, and just you know treat you like you feel like you would want to be treated by everybody else. That's how you should treat yourself. Cool. I love it, Michael. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that with me. No and where can people find you? Um, well, you, you're going to put the, the details on the end of this. Um, you'll find us at, uh, uh, on, at well, our Solace Cabin if, at solaceceremonies.ie. Um, and if you go on there, there's um, a list of different things on the, the website, and you can get in touch with us that way. Um, we're just outside Arklow in, in the hills, as you've, as you've seen. We have a lovely view of the coastline, which today is nice and clear. On a really clear day, we can see Wales, which is which is wonderful. And it's just about we, you know, we've somewhere created that we feel that people like to come. Um, you know, someone comes in for a Reiki session or whatever, and we, we leave them for a while afterwards just to relax in the atmosphere because it's we're away. Our nearest neighbours are six hundred metres away. We're away from the bustling crowd. We're out in nature, um, and it's it's a place. It's a tranquil sort of place. Um, and have it to be honest with you, and we sort of felt that when we when we have when we discovered this place that it's a place to share with other people, not just with family but with others as well, because everybody needs a bit of headspace, as you you well know. And um, out in nature, or out on the side of a mountain or whatever, you get a lot of space, and it's really really good to enjoy. Um, yeah, just as I said, stay stay ground, stay hydrated, and stay connected. You know, cool. and find us. Well, Michael, I will put a link to your website, Solace 
ceremonies Ceremony, Dasha, he, yeah. onto this podcast yeah. and I can tell everyone listening that I've been up to Solis, the Solis Healing Cabin and it's such a beautiful place and the energy up there is amazing and you know like like the work that yourself and Julie are doing up there is so inspiring and is, that ripple effect man is going out to so many people so thank you so much for sharing with me that amazing journey that you've been on for sharing with me that amazing work that you're doing up in solace healing cabin and your own work and for sharing with me how you mind you and best of luck with everything that you do in the future michael thank you very much brian it was lovely to talk to you and sure i'll be seeing you shortly anyway absolutely thanks michael all right talk to you soon take care so much for listening to Mind You and I hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care. Please like, subscribe and follow Mind You podcast wherever you listen to it and please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world. You can find me and Mind You at brianbarneswellbeing.com.